The Old Gold Club. Powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. The one-stop shop for all your building and DIY products. Uh, I think we're recording. I think I'll press the button. Build. <laughs> does need a wee trim though, doesn't it? I've got my couples with me though. We may as well make that the start of the podcast. Hello, uh, I'm Mikey Burrows. The man threatening to trim my beard is Mr. Chris Wellamo. You right? I'm very good. Just uh, don't be jealous of the fact that I can grow facial hair and you can't. Well, I don't. Well, you don't need to take it there, do you? <laughs> I'll be honest. You just said to me before we started, you were like, are you coming for me today? Because usually do. Usually do. Usually it's something about eating out, something about the missies, my dog. The same. I've never had a go at you for the dog. All you brought, I said, so you've never brought up having this uh, a camel, a camel jacket. Basically, camel um, well, let's just say hello to Rob Edwards. By the way, hello, Hi. Rob. Rob, hello. just come in, step in anytime you want, mate. We'll you will make you. We'll do it. Better uh, than most. There's, there's two very handsome men either side of me. Eh? Um, he's, he's pet me. He's pet me. It's the eyes. Look, it's the eyes. Make me tell you what's doing. Doing things for you now. He is. He smells incredible as well when he was coming upstairs today. Um, basically, Rob, all all that happened was that a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I've mentioned this on the podcast before. So apologies for those who regularly listen. Let me think of you, that, uh, Chris Owellamo oh, no. has uh, uh, he has a coat. His girlfriend has a coat. It's matching coats, and they have a matching coat for their dog. That's all I said. That it was a little bit strange. That Rob, all can three I just say something? Them... I've had my coat for about three years. The missus went out and bought one yeah. because I bought one for the dog. And she, went, she went. I turned up from football one day, <laughs> and she bought a camel coat. I went, "What are you doing? What, what? Oh, it's for when we go on walks." So, have you walked them together? We have walked the them. I've had to put it on social media. Have as you well. really? This is, why, this, is, this is why here, Hawkeye Stalker. Mr. Well, Stalker. listen, I'm not the only person who notices these things because um, I put out on social media for if anybody had any topics that they would like us to discuss in this part of the podcast. And uh, Richard Evans got in touch and Richard, says, yeah. Ask Chris what his favourite restaurant is as he likes eating out so much. Looking for a good recommendation. Make it half football, half food critic, he says. What do you want? Uh, Anywhere that you'd recommend for Richard to go, maybe to take a, a lovely lady or a lovely man, depended. whatever he wants. I like uh, Australasia in Manchester, and uh, Simpsons in Birmingham. <laughs> I love though you pointed at Rob there. As if yeah, I yeah, think yeah no, sampled them both. Yeah, they're good. Australasia is very, very nice. Yeah. I had a nice meal with Matt and Jolie in there once, actually. Uh, very good. A few years back now. I bumped into Dennis Irwin, actually. He didn't know why I was. He just thought I was like their best, like, their, their t- hanger on, just like, <laughs> like with Joel, with Joel and Matt. Who's this so geezer? Modest, <laughs> you know? But yeah, that was we had a nice meal. Very good there. And you can eat on a night out. I can well. eat, but you know what? I don't eat as much anymore. I've really noticed myself lately. I'm getting old. Like I feel I'm not eating as much. Metabolism. Yeah, the metabolism slowing down, going grey. You know, it's, it's these players that are sort of you know turning me grey. I tell them that every day. But the the the, <laughs> the um. The food, yeah, I don't get through as much now, and it, it sort of it's getting to me, you know. I can feel my joints more in the mornings. What? So, what don't like you, it. You know, when you played, then did you? Because I, I remember, I remember coming in, and you were the ultimate professional. I think always that's what I've, the way that you helped yourself, the way that you spoke to people, and I thought it was one of those things. But were you very aware then about what you could eat? And yeah, I was trying to be good. So around that around that time. Um, Sort of just bef- just as you sort of came the previous couple of years, I'd really focused on. I think I'd just I'm really sort of grown up then, so I'd been around twenty five, twenty six, and just realised how important that side of it and looking after yourself was as well. And um, 
And it was there was I think a lot of us had because we were similar sort of ages. There was a lot of us around that time that were that were really sort of growing up, discipline, realizing that this you know you. I think when you're younger, you don't necessarily realise where you're at and, yeah. and what an opportunity you have to try and make the best career that you've got. So yeah, I was just focusing then and trying to be the best professional I was and look after myself. The unfortunate thing is, a couple of years later, I was finished and I was done. So it's no, it was no, no good. I should have carried well, on I, eating I, McDonald's. I'm sat, well, I'm sat here <laughs> listening to all this, and because when Rob was at Barnsley, I was living in Leeds, so we used to meet up quite a bit. And I don't remember you being this healthy. I've seen you polish off sharing platters for two on your own. Throw someone under a yeah. bus, doesn't he, or Mike? It does. But what? Oh, digger. What Mike has got to understand, Looms, is that, that was protein. I was eating a lot of protein. You yeah, told me once vegetables. that you ate a seafood platter for four on your yeah, own on holiday. Healthy once. salmon, tuna, king prawns. Um, you know, yeah, it was huge, and 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 it and it wasn't it wasn't a room to be in when we got home for myself and my wife to 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 share. You know, we're supposed to have a romantic couple of days away in Tenerife, and it, it wasn't that it wasn't that it wasn't a healthy place to be. But that was it was worth it because the guy brought over like a free drink and everything. It was it was about the size of this table, looms. It was quality. Yeah, oh, it was brilliant. But in the end. Like, he, he even came over and said, listen, I'll give you a free drink anyway. You don't have to finish. I said, no, no, I do. I do. <laughs> I was getting fish sweats. I didn't even know that was, po- I didn't even know that was possible. You know? But it was, it was impressive. It was I've good. got a story about a sea, uh, sea, uh, sea flatter. But oh, Go uh, on. No, that's... Uh, that's uh, well, no, you can't say that and then not say anything about it. <sighs> no, because I'm, I'm throwing people under the bus. What, is it not about what's you? The, what's the, 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 the only way is Essex. It was the only way in Essex ocean spray party at Ocean Club, you know, at the Marbella. Yeah. And uh, so all the lads had a bed and then all the girls had a bed there and I was at Burnley at the time, so there was there was a few of us there. And one of our lads uh, on this platter, it was about 170 quid for this platter. It came the size of the table, had four people on the bed. And he shouted one of the girls, aye, 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 he shouted over. And he threw, one, you know, one of the pineapple things. Oh, my God. I thought, what are you doing? What are you doing? This, this player's still still going strong today. I, I was in complete shock. And she's come over, she's tripped. Uh, shall I not be saying this, but I'm, I'm in complete shock. What, it hit her? Hit her right in the face. What, he threw her a pineapple? You know the pineapple slice? The pineapple... Oh, a slice of pineapple. You know, like, not, not a full, full pineapple. pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting arrested, mate. But I'm just saying, and this... I was like, this, this is my first experience of these, like, these, like, spray parties and things like this. And I was in complete shock, mate. But there, that was my little story about a platter. Who was I don't it? know if I was allowed to say that. I don't know. The boys were kind of shaking their head. Down the... No, it's I fine. Can't, I can't say it was kind of... No, I can't. I'll tell you what, right? Say it, and then we'll just cut it out if it, if we can't say it. No, you can't. You can't. Go on. It's still playing now, though, yeah? Yeah. For Burnley. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I was thinking of that person. I think. Go on. you got to say it. I can't. Mate. We'll, we'll cut it out. After that, he threw someone in the pool, and he was wrestling me a girl. She dropped her beer, she stood on it, and he still threw her in the pool. She's walking about with the... I thought, what are you doing, mate? Everybody listening to this now is going to be screaming into whatever device they are listening I, to this I'm podcast. I'm not going to tell you nothing. <laughs> right, anyway, let's get... Go on, who was it? Go on. I can't tell you. Right, anyway, on back <laughs> onto the... So, with that experience of the, like, the food, would you say then that the young pros coming through now, that... They know a bit more substance to tell them, right? Okay, but they do look after themselves. Look after themselves. A lot of these players don't touch a drop of drink. The world of Instagram and Facebook and all that sort of stuff. Now the lads, they all want want to look good. There's an image to portray. 
Um, so that's, so that's say the social media then. I think well. I think so because it was going to make him look after themselves. The majority of them anyway. They all want to look good and 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 like I say, portray that good image. But they know so much more as well now. There's a lot more education in the sport. The rewards are even bigger and greater than than when we were playing as well. The um, the game is that much quicker. Yeah, they just got to be. They got to be top at the top of their game and the ultimate professional now to stand any chance, especially with where this club is going. So with what we see from the boys now, they do look after themselves a lot, lot more, and it's only right. And um, they'll have a laugh. Don't get me wrong. And and and. You know, yeah, they can go out at the right times, but do you know what? I don't think they drink really now. They can go out and not drink a lot of them. Yeah. Um, I think they can. They eat well, and there's nutritionists and stuff now. All the staff that are there to help the boys. There's not really any excuses now to not being in shape. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, one of my biggest my biggest fears, and I remember when the the takeover came, the money's coming in, and the the caliber player that Wolves were signing, and I thought, you know, like. Because I was, I was at Watford now when the Pozo family come in and it's like eight players, mm. new signings and that, and it's it really kind of affected the young players coming through. How mm. much pressure would you say is on you to, to bring those players through? Because to be fair, the balance is there. Young players are mm. getting their chance. Yeah, our job is obviously to try and give the players the best opportunity yeah. or give them the, 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 the facilitate them anyway. Then, they've got to, then it's up to themselves. We've got to be organised, we've got to be on the ball and then it's up to the lads in the end. What I can say, our club is as a squad, the first team squad of 16, 17 outfield players, which the manager's spoken about as well. Their their injury record is incredible and with what they do in terms of everything, the sports science yeah. and, the, and all the staff are unbelievable at what they do, the first team staff I'm talking about and that's what we can learn right away through the club in terms of keeping everyone fit. But there is an opportunity then for the younger players. They go down there, they can train with them a lot. They all know them really well. The first team staff, the gaffer and everyone know the players really well. They know who they want. And if someone does drop out for any reason, we've seen it a lot in the cup games, particularly this year, they put the next uh, the next one goes in from, from our group. Yeah, I think we've had five debuts, I think, in the cup games this year. There's been lads on the bench in the Premier League. So I think in terms of... And that's, look, that's again, that's credit to the, to the gaffer and the staff because they don't have to do that. They don't have to give... You know, they could go with their squad all the, t- all the time if they want... But they want they want that as well. They know it's important it's for this. Picture, they want this. In, yeah. It's important for a club. Um, this club's you know always been able to produce players, mm. um, and now to do it where they're sitting in the Premier League right now, we know that's the ultimate challenge because the first team are only going to go one way now, and that yeah. hopefully anyway yeah. is is that way. We've got to be really good at what we do to catch them up. It's one of those the, 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 these players they get a little taste for it, and it can it can. It, do you have to manage that? Do you have to manage that player in that sense as well? Because you know, you know what it's like. You get a taste, you want more, don't you? And then yeah. it's that frustration. Put me back in. Give me a chance. If they've done well, then lot, do they expect that? A lot of our group now are nineteen, twenty years old, and they've had a taste of it. Um, whether they've been on loan or whether they haven't been, or whether they come from another club, and they might have had a little bit of first team um, experience, or with our, our first team. And then you're right, then they want more of it. Yeah. And that's great, That's because yeah. that's what they want. That's what you want, of course you do. But, uh, and I think the gaffers tried to relay that message as well. They're 23s players at the moment. And then when they're needed, they're up there with the first team and it's up to them then to break in. And yeah. it's just knowing their place at the moment. But there's a plan for each individual. And of course, we know that, that it might be loans or whatever it is, but um, that pathway's got to be right and it'll be different for every 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 player. 
Because I, I think I feel almost as if the, the job of 23s coach, and I, I've spoken to Scott about this a lot in the last couple of years, is is more difficult now than probably it's ever been before. Because especially with Wolves, with everything that's gone on with um, Jamila in Spain, so you've had players going out there and players that are then called up to, to as you say, to train with the first team quite often. You know what what you would have sat down at the beginning of last season and thought was your group of players, massively different now than it would have been there. Yeah, um, there is. We have a different. We'll have a an idea of a training group every single day. But then, what's brilliant is the first team squad are so linked, especially the players. A lot of them will go down and train with the first team all the time, every day, and um, and then you know we can pull on the 18s as well to get that link all the way through that sort of professional phase. Anyway, 23s and 18s, and obviously the first team. Um, but that's how we want it to be, Mikey. You know, I think the manager would would, would you know wants that tight-knit squad because he talks about us being obviously together and, and being one pack and obviously then if you have a squad that's too big you can have people that are left out and on the sidelines and not happy but this way everyone feels included and inclusive Yeah, and it's the same thing with our group as well um, but you're right Mikey we're constantly trying to manage then expectations and sl- maybe he goes with the 23s group as well because they you know they want to be playing um, they understand that the first team are doing so well as well and it's going to be tough to break in there but you know they're impatient as well, and they want it now. And, and it's just about managing that. And you're right. There's obviously some lads that have been out on loan in Spain. Benny's gone out to Portugal, but we've had quite a consistent group to work with in terms of the games for most of the season, which is which has stood us in good yeah. stead. Yeah, I mean you're absolutely flying in your division at the minute. I just wondered whether you were talking there. What were you boys like at that age? Were you impatient to get in the first team? I was I I got thrown into the first team when I was sixteen, still at school. So it was like wow. I was t- imagine that imagine a schoolboy yeah. coming in on a Friday. I, my school gave me Fridays off to go and train. <laughs> it was bizarre. It just wouldn't happen today. I, I, you can't see it. Imagine a schoolboy coming in, and he's you know he's playing in front of you tomorrow. Yeah. I think it was Barry Lavetti and Mark Yardley, who were like fan favourites. But Jimmy Bowen, I don't know. And I was raw. You know, I was. Like, you, know, so you were really touch, skinny and touch, quick was, then, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, that that when you just beat together. <laughs> I, I think I, I went to I went over to the Danish Super League and I I ruptured my my thigh muscle, and one of my mates over there was a fashion show model, and he gave me its weight his weights program. So I've came back and I've actually I turned into one of those gym. So I went from like thirteen stone <laughs> to the to, Hulk to about seventeen stone. I swear to you, I remember wa- walking back in like eight weeks after the winter break, and they just went, "What?" I never seen the boys. I never seen the boys for four or five weeks. Yeah. I was just running in the forest every day, getting shin splints. But my whole game changed. So rather than the touch was even 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 later on, still the touch could I could have one of those days. It's I just can't I can't trap anything, you know. But then it was like. Yeah, your pace, you could make up for it, you could stretch. But then my whole game changed, it became a proper target man. Mm. And it was all about the service that I got to, to link other players in. But uh, So what were you then, sort of set, you're talking 17, 18 then? I was, I was, yeah, so I went over to the Danish Super League at 19. And yeah. that's why I love young players going, going there, and, yeah. and experiencing yeah. it. And if they do well, that first move, doing something like that prepares you for that. Because as footballers, we do move. Mm. You go into different... And, you go into different dressing rooms and what I will say, no matter where you are in the world, football is international. Mm. It's like you meet the same characters in every dressing room and all over the world. You know, the like you say, the ultimate professionals that speak sense and, and then you the, the, the crazy men and the, you do you the same yeah. characters, you know, so, and that's something that it put me to well, 18 clubs. It does make you grow up right now then as well, well doesn't it? It does. You know, I does. remember getting on a plane with an A6 holdall mm. and a PlayStation in my clothes. That yeah. was it, that's all. 
get put in a top hotel for three months. They put me in a, a central apartment above the canal with all the bars. I'm sitting, I used to walk down in the morning, get the, the the paper from the post office and go sit in a cafe. Never trained until the afternoon. You, you say that like Morgan. Morgan Gibbs White though at 16 yep. made his debut here. You know, someone who's just been fast tracked, bang, because he was because he was ready. And it's amazing then how quickly he's grown up as well. You speak to him and you see him now, and it's just it's just amazing how much that first team environment made him grow up. You know, he's still a kid at heart as well, anyway. But in that first team environment, you've got to be a man before maybe like your mates in the outside world. And you know, you've got to realize then this opportunity you've got, and you can't mess it up. So it's amazing then speaking to him once he'd been in around that first team environment for a while, and it's like a different bloke. Yeah, you know, and then it, w- it would have been the, the same for you. I was a little bit older. Yeah, I was a little bit older. I wasn't. It was until I was around nineteen that I got. I was a bit of a later developer. I was around nineteen until I got into the first team squad at Villa, and it was, um, you know, that. It, so when you're saying like, how did I? I wasn't sure. I wasn't that impatient because I wasn't sure it was going to happen at that club. And then, uh, it's funny, you're about then how you bulked up quite quickly. You got in the gym. I didn't necessarily get in the gym, but I just grew into my body. And was able to run and was stronger just over over a summer. Yeah, it's amazing. Went away, came back six weeks later. I could run. I was quicker. I was stronger, and it just sort of clicked and came together. And you know, by the Christmas, I'd got into the the first team and and was playing. So it happened quite quickly. I wasn't impatient. I just wasn't sure it was going to happen. There, I got one more year left at Villa, and I thought, you know, I, I, I suppose I didn't really think about it too much. I probably was thinking I'll be going somewhere else, mm. you know. And then all of a sudden, bang, it it happened and. So um, everyone's, like I was saying, everyone's journey is different and you don't know necessarily how yeah. you're going to get there. Hope You hope you do and, you, you know, not all, all of them do either. Do they? So that's, the, that's the, the sort of harsh world of football. Well, we're going to talk more about how you are shaping the future generations when we get into the show properly in a moment. I tell you, this is what I love about this podcast, that we started off that this whole chat talking about uh, Looms getting a recommendation for a place to eat out. And we ended up there. That's what I love about it. Keep keep your thoughts coming. Oldgoldclub at wolves.co.uk, at wolves across social media. If you have any topics or questions that you would like to put to Looms or ask for any recommendations, or if you're really, really, really keen to find out which footballer it was that threw the pineapple at someone from... What's her name? Sam... Sam Fayers? Was that it? Oh, my God. Well, goodness me, this story's taking another twist. Unbelievable. I can't believe it. Uh, I was in shock. This is unbelievable. Okay, so um, we were, if if people keep messaging, in fact, if you email us oldgoldclub at wolves.co.uk, if we get enough emails in, maybe we can persuade Looms to reveal all on a future episode of this podcast. Oh, oldgoldclub at wolves.co.uk oh, at wolves across social media. Give a follow to our sponsors at WV Build Supplies on Twitter as well. The show is coming next. Wolverhampton Building Supplies is your one-stop shop for all building and DIY products. And now they're giving listeners of the Old Gold Club an extra 10% off of the already low prices. It doesn't matter if you're a professional builder or just looking to put up a shelf at home. Just tell them in store that you listen to the Old Gold Club and you'll get an even better price in store. So check them out online at wolverhamptonbuildingsupplies.co.uk then head to their yard at 372 Bilston Road, Wolverhampton or give them a call on 01902 500 140. 
Hello there, welcome along to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows, alongside me as ever is Chris Awellamo. And our guest this week spent four years at Molyneux as a player, making over 100 appearances, scoring one goal before <laughs> going on to coach the under-18s, working as first-team coach under three managers, including two games as caretaker boss before returning for a third time to take charge of the under-23s. Welcome to the old gold club Rob Edwards thank you for having me Mikey I would say normally when we see people we're like oh is it strange to be back you know well, how do you feel returning to the football club barely been away you're all here all the <laughs> yeah, time yeah can't get rid of me can <laughs> entire like, career. smell will just keep coming back <laughs> Rob's here again won't go no not, I'm going nowhere it's good though to, good to be back though I guess yeah it's great especially at this moment in time now when the club's doing so well um there's been some tough times, obviously, over the, the last few years and recent times as well. But this is certainly a period now to be enjoying, and it's great to be a part of it—a small little part, obviously, because um, you know what the what the first team staff, and obviously, since Fosum have come in, come in, and what the first team staff and players have done has been incredible. And without them doing so well, it wouldn't allow us to to have and get what we get as well within the academy. So. We hope that they keep going. I'm sure they will. Um, they're going to keep pushing for more and striving to be even better. And uh, we've got to keep doing that as well. Keep trying to stay on their uh, on their coattails. Was there ever any doubt in your mind about coming back for that third spell? <clears throat> no, no, not at all. Um, I want to uh, I want to learn and keep getting better and um, and trying to improve. And I really thought I'd have the opportunity to do that. And learn from from obviously someone who's had a massive impact in a short space of time in the manager and obviously his staff as well. And um, I feel I've learned a lot so far this season. Um, it's great, you know, leading the team again as well with some very talented players. And um, and like I said, just wanting to improve, but test myself and push myself as well, and challenge myself because you know good players always challenge you as well. And we're looking for ways to to keep them going, keep them motivated, and. Um, We've got a good group. I've enjoyed it so far this season. I think it's <clears throat> it's all about progression. You know, I think, uh, again, you look at the... You, you, you had the opportunity to come up with the first team under under Kenny Jacket. Uh, was that something that you wanted? Is it, was, it, was it a no-brainer? You know, because you'd, you'd got in, you've went and done your coaching and then that opportunity came. Was that, was that something you were ready for then? I don't know if you ever know if you're ready for something until it happens and you get in the job. Looms. I mean, it was it was something that happened quite quickly, and um, I wasn't looking for it at the time. I was really enjoying my role as the under 18s coach, working with some really good players, and um, and Kenny spoke to me one day and said, "Look, Rob, I'm look, I, you know, I want you to come up with us and um, and mainly mainly do some work, maybe around the defenders and just be an extra body around, another set of eyes, another set of hands to sort of help with with certain things." And and that then was yeah no brainer. I wanted to help. You know the manager asked you to do something. Yeah. You just you just want to do it, help and learn. And I really enjoyed those probably two to three months towards the end of the season. And we had a real push for the playoffs. And you remember that you know yeah. uh, that season. And uh, was it just goal difference we missed out on? I think in yeah. the end it was a big and win on the final day against Millwall, right. but it wasn't quite enough. That's right. Was it four two we won, but we needed a few more goals or something like that. Yeah, I think, it I think if we hadn't have considered the two <clears throat> and scored one more and yeah. it's that kind it was of a lot of ifs and buts. But <laughs> it was quite you know, it was really exciting and it was a great um learning curve for me. Something I really enjoyed. I spoke to Ken at the end of that season and, and you know he said, Yeah, you, you know, done well being good around the place and you know we would like you to continue to do it and obviously then it was a no brainer for me um to be here in that first team environment. So I had yeah two two and a half years 
in and around the first team here again and, and, and loved every minute of it. We you know, got to work with some really good people, learn from a lot of really good people as well um, and see some maybe tough times as well. But you know, all that makes you hopefully better in the long run. How important was the relationship with, with Kenny then? You know, was that... Because something he is, he was very close. He's, he's, a, he's a great character, isn't he? But he's he's very intense as well. Yeah. He does his work quietly, but he's it's important he sees everything that goes on. And he, he had a good relationship with you, didn't he? Yeah. Which he sees, know, he sees and knows it all, you know? And like I think all good managers do. Um, unbelievably well-prepared, really organised. Seeing Ken's work ethic was a real eye-opener for me as well. And I knew, like, when in, in you come into coaching, you've got to work hard. You've got to be dedicated to what you want to do if you want to progress and you want to do well and you want to be regarded as a good coach. You've got to put the time in. You know, we'd, we'd, we'd have an away game. On the bus back, he's already watching the game. On the bus back, he's, he's watched the game back. He's made his mental notes, you know, and he knows exactly then who's done well, who needs a little bit of work, and he's, got, he's clearing his mind then for the next game. You know, he was always in first. He'd always be, you know, he'd be working so hard um, and he'd just drive the most out of his staff. And I think everyone wanted to do well for him as well. Um, but he had then a great assistant in Joe Gallen who was in a, in a way kind of the opposite. Now, Joe had a great work ethic, but then, he, you know, he, 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 he had this, this way about him that would just make me laugh all the time as well. And I think it was just a really good balance. And they did great for the club. Didn't they? You know, they did great for the club. Without them doing so well as well, the club wouldn't be in the position they're in now without them getting promoted out of League One that first time of asking and then doing well in the Championship as well. So um, working under them for that, however long it was, um, 18 months or so, uh, I'm really thankful for, for the opportunity. And um, yeah, I, I hold them both in such high regard. It's gave you the taste for that as well. You know, we're talking about the young players getting that little, that feel, getting the minutes that's gave you the taste of that environment as well and like you say you've, you've came back you were the 23s and it is it's the players it's important for them that they have the progression but as a coach as well you it is management one day isn't it? I'd like to think so I mean it, what I think has helped me as well because being in the 18s and the 23s and working in the academy then it gives it, it makes you value so much the importance of young players yeah. and wanting to get that progression yeah. through and I know again we you know this is a football club that values that and young players and it's got a tradition of producing very good young players and coming through to the first team and I think if you've been a you know if you come out of the game as a player and then go straight into that first team environment maybe you don't appreciate what goes in underneath and lower down with the younger ones. You don't yeah. appreciate all the work and the time that goes in from the academy manager all the way throughout to the to the dots, you know, the under eights that are coming in now and you see them and the time that goes in, the hours that people that work that work um to, to, to produce that look at Morgan now, you know, the the time that has gone into him. Well it's the thing is huge. Because when you um made that step up to the first team, Looms, you nearly came in to replace Rob yeah. at 18s but you realise how difficult that job was yeah you know I think like you say I think I think real life kind of gets in the way you know I felt that uh, I wish I'd spoke with Rob probably three four months before came in and shadowed so you knew what the expectations and like you say the the responsibilities really were it's something that I learned very quickly that am I able and Rob said it there can you commit 100% with everything that was going on? I just had my young daughter. I just bought my first property with my, my, my business partner. 
I was one year into a two-year intense degree. So there's all little things and you can't spin that many plates and, and give it your all and be a success. You so it was you one can't. of the hardest decisions that, mm. that, that I had to make. Uh, and in hindsight, it was it was the right decision, you know, with, with everything that's came. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it, that, it's just funny, yeah, that exact time, yeah. I know. Uh, you're right, I mean, the lads need you. But yep. then your family needs you, and everyone else needs you know. And there's always things that are that are pulling on you. But you've got it. You're right. You've got to be able to commit to it 100. And I think people talk about that a lot in football, don't they? That I suppose if you're not sure, then it's probably then the right thing not to right now. It was always something that I was driven to do, and I knew that's what it, for me. I think it was all I really knew, yeah. As well, and um, so that 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 was never really a question. But yeah, the the commitment people. Perhaps don't really realise then what you sort of what it entails. Then I'm not talking about I'm not talking about you know people. That, they'll know people work hard, managers, coaches, and stuff. But sometimes when you can hear it from the terraces and you hear what you sometimes get frustrated because you know they're putting everything into it yeah. and they're not sleeping at night and then all they're waking up and if they do sleep and they're waking up after an hour or two and they're straight on thinking about it again yeah. and it does take over you know. Can we talk about then your two games in caretaker challenge? Because you, I think people sometimes forget that you had come into the club as under 18s, you're less than a season, and you're up working with the first team. And then, what, a year later? So, realistically, uh, what, 14, 15 months as working as a first team coach, all of a sudden, you are, someone comes and says, Rob, you're taking the team. And I remember talking to you around that time and because we spoke to Terry Connor when he was in doing the podcast and he kind of had a similar experience to you, I imagine, whereby you suddenly have to do media because we talked a lot mm. about it. I remember we were all sat down talking through when you had to go in and do that first press conference after the, after the fact that the manager had been sacked and suddenly it's all on you and, and everything else that comes with it. So how did you cope at that time? Um, you just do. You just get on with it, and um, I, I loved it. I took the hardest bit and the stuff that really um, played on my mind, and, my mind and took up a lot of my time because I was clear. I knew how I wanted us to play. I knew what I wanted to do in terms of the stuff on the grass. The stuff that I found hardest was that knowing I was probably going to go back to being first in coach or whatever, having to leave people out, people that I knew well and worked with, you know, and had a good relationship with. We had a big squad around that time. So obviously when Walter came in, there was a big influx of players really quickly, wasn't there? So I remember leaving out probably, you know, a way trip to Blackburn, leaving four, five, six players out of the squad completely, not even travelling. But knowing then I'm probably in a week or two's time, I'm going to be working with them again and having to try and have that relationship with them as well. So, but I suppose I'll go back to Mick yeah. and, and good managers, not just Mick, but he, he stands out for me in terms of someone who was always honest and would always speak to the players if he wasn't going to play them. And that's always stayed with me as well. So I'm not afraid to have those difficult conversations. And I felt a lot better once I had spoken to the players, but yeah. knowing that those conversations were looming and I had to maybe, I had to get them done to then be able to write, really now I can focus and concentrate. And if the, the hardest bit and what took up a lot of my time in my mind was, right, I've got to speak to him, I've got to speak to him, 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 him. And it, it was literally that many. To, to, to leave out or you're not going to start now and then because obviously there was a second game as well there was the derby game and then there was more decisions now it's at home we'd done well against Blackburn we hadn't got the win but it was a good one all draw yeah. decent performance now we're at home though the owner's going to be on us and, and so I made a few changes again to try and be a little bit more positive a little bit more attack minded 
Uh, and then, then there's another experience. We're two 0 down at half time. We're getting booed, and I'm having to deal with that. So then, get a reaction from the players. I made a sub in the first half. Yeah. Um, you know, the game was live on Sky. So the, you know, Jair Texera is not my friend anymore, really now. But um, yeah, it's, there's decisions to make, and you know, you, you live and die by them as a manager. But it was good experience to have that for a few weeks. I suppose, like I said, the hardest bit was knowing I'm going to go back to that. So you've got to be able to keep that relationship there with the players as well. It was a fine balancing act. Was there confrontation? When you know, I, I don't think anyone likes to be to be dropped. Uh, there, was, there was a difficult one where um, Silvio, left back, had, had come in and uh, great, great lad, really good professional. But I wasn't starting him, and I think he just, you know, there was a lot of frustration then. So I remember having a difficult conversation with him. He was fine, you know, really, really professional, but he, he was emotional. He was emotional. He was just desperate to play, and that. That's the hardest part as a manager. I think if you speak to any manager, they always say those are the most difficult moments. The, yeah. I, you want to be able to play everyone, yeah. but you can't. You have to pick 11. And and that was that was tough with him. Um, and there was other ones with people like Steers, who had done unbelievable for this football club. And I, you know, I know him and played with him and all that. Uh, so that was tough. Um, but then thankfully, you know, when Paul Lambert came in as well, Steers played his games and had, uh, you know, had a, a, an impact still, you know, scoring a goal at Anfield and stuff. So it was fine. But there was there was... You know, tough conversations. Would you see that the players like because you were honest, and I love how you use Mick because yeah, he 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 said it exactly how it was. You know, I've had that argument with him, and he's got he justifies his decision. Mm -hmm. So you, when you went back to like the coach, would you say that respect was obviously that relationship, that bond? Because you do have a responsibility. Yeah. You're the in between man between the manager and the player. He can they can come to you, but that was that. Being honest, that's yeah, still the same. I think, not affected that. I think that was still intact, which yeah. was right, and I'm glad I did it that way, and I would never change. Yeah. You know, I think the players might not agree with it, but they respect that decision and they respect the fact that you've given them the time to speak to them, and I think that's the most important thing. They understand then. They understand that, your position as well, yeah, don't they? You've got to make a decision and you know, you live and die by those. We didn't win the game, so then they could you know, the ones that didn't play could say, Well, you know, we we maybe you got it wrong, Rob, maybe I did and you know we um we gave it a good go in that second half against Derby, yeah. but you, you know you, you can look at it. Back. Yeah, you can look at it and go, um, you know, get some decisions wrong, but you have to stand by them. Because it's that difficult thing, isn't it? As well, that you know, the team wasn't doing very well. That's why Walter had left, mm -hmm. and so because and I know because you bought, you kind of gave other people who hadn't featured as much an opportunity, like Cameron Borthwick Jackson and people like that. And all right, it didn't work out for him and his Wolves career in the end, but. It's almost like, is that not your job to do as the caretaker guy to come in and go, well, look, it clearly wasn't working with who was playing before, so we need to try something different. We can't just do what the manager was doing, otherwise he would, the manager would still be there. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you want to, like I said, I was clear on how I wanted to try and play, and, and it's difficult in within a couple of training sessions to be able to really make a difference but there was elements of it that we were really pleased with in that Blackburn game because we were asking some different things you know the, the reason Cameron played is because he's very good on the ball and we felt he could play a bit more inside to narrow up the opposition to then give 1v1s for Helder Costa and, and even Cavalero you know the two wide players uh, that we were playing in those positions at the time so there was reasons behind it for why certain people played and obviously Doc can, can do that we know how good Doc is on the ball as well so that's why we went with those two um but yeah, you, you know, you, you go with those decisions, uh, and then the players either perform or they don't, and and they they gave it everything, every single one of them. Like, uh, you know, thanked them after the, the especially the derby game and said, Look, thank you very much. You you've all been terrific. Um, you know, the manager upstairs watching now or or watching back at home on the TV now will be will know he's got something there to work with. You know, I couldn't question any of their commitment, any of their professionalism, not yeah. one of them. 
and that was important. Um, but they are professional footballers, and you expect that. And you know, there was there, so there was no issues from that point of view. Um, just disappointed that we didn't get the, you know, the win that we were looking for, the wins that we were looking for. But you're right, we were in a bit of a sticky patch at the time, and that's obviously why Walter moved on. Um, so then you're picking up a team that's like maybe slightly low on confidence, and you know, um, like I said, there was two good performances, or one and a half, I would say, good performances. The Blackburn game was good, and, and the second half against Derby. So it was an enjoyable time, you know, an experience that I'm extremely proud of. To be 33 years old, not long out of the game, but then to manage, you know, albeit for two games, but you know, the club that you've been so proud to play for yeah. in the championship for a couple of games was probably my most. <laughs> When I think about it now and you say it like that, it was probably my proudest moment in my career so far. Yeah. So it was incredible to be standing there on the touchline. A really proud moment that the club trusted me to do that for those two games as well was was something that I will never forget. <clears throat> like you've, you're, you're a strong character. You've got strong beliefs in football. You're a presence. Straight away, and we had this chat with TC, that you, when, when you are, I guess, have that relationship with the manager, you do kind of have to have the same beliefs. But... You you're very saying that I knew exactly how I wanted to play. Kenny Kenny Jacket, Walter Zenger, Paul Lambert, all very different styles. Surely then, is, isn't that frustrating frustrating for you that you can't really? I know you've got a voice, you've got an opinion, they take it on board, but you basically have to go with what the manager wants and says, even though that you have your beliefs how you want to play your football. I know it's not your team, but still, your input you want it to be taken on board. You know, yeah, the way it works is. Um I mean, you're dead right. You, you obviously have your own beliefs, like anyone does, anyone you individual. Have, yeah. You know, so the way we're working this year, Sean, my assistant will have exactly the same. He'll be thinking, but the job of the assistant and first team coach then is to support that that manager with, with everything, especially once it's gone outside the room. So you can have your discussions in the office, yep. get your point across. And and all three of those managers that you mentioned all wanted your, your input. You know, they all wanted to hear your opinion and valued that as well. Kenny was unbelievable. He'd write everything down as well. So he'd, he'd come back four months later or something and go, we thought that, you know, and he's... Um, so, did all, so did he have they, just notebooks? Ken, yeah, notebooks. Ken, Ken would always write things down and just, just make notes all the time on, on what people would think. You and told me story when yeah, I yeah, you, came You've got to be ready, you've got to be ready, yeah, your best, your best players or, you, you know, you, what's your team, you know, and right, bang, be ready. Joe Gallen always said, Rob, be ready with the, for the under-18s, be ready with your team, always know your team because you never know at night because we'd always have a nine o'clock meeting. Kenny would obviously lead it with all the first team staff and then myself and Scott, 20, 21s as it was at the time, and myself with the 18s would, would go in and listen in case they need any players and, and then Scott would take some players from us and that's how it works. And every now and again, Ken would go, which team? So he'd always be ready and you know, he'd be on his toes, the manager's asking and so you want to know, uh, you want to know, so you've got to be ready and on the ball. Sometimes it's who's the best player in the league? Uh, he'd go around the whole table and he'd just write that down as well and just sort of knowing people's opinions and <laughs> like yeah, a test of what you said three Sometimes, months ago yeah 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 he's just, it just keeps you on the ball and on your toes and he just always want to know people's opinions and, and, and stuff so all three of the managers wanted to know and I think by the time it got to Paul Lambert I'd, I'd probably had a little bit more experience you know been around it for a few years and knew the league a bit better and knew the players and was able to then perhaps have a little bit uh, more of a, a, a say and, and you know because the gaffer and, and Stu would come in I knew the players well by that time and uh, knew what they were capable of and what they weren't so it was kind of by then I was probably asked a little bit more and maybe that opinion was was valued even even more by then because of that little bit more experience over a few years I think you know when it, in the early days under Ken it would be I was just there learning and listening and, and Ken would always still ask but he knew the answers you know Ken, yeah. Ken and Joe they knew um, 
obviously when Walter came he needed he needed as, me as much as possible because I knew the lads and knew the players so that was an interesting period an interesting time and you never want to see a manager go because again it would took it would take over Walter's life you know he was over here from another country away from his family and all he'd be thinking about is football 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 wolves 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 and he was always looking at the videos and always looking at the opposition and always had a plan um, so and he always want to support the manager and he don't want it to not work out yeah. and um, so that was it was sad how it ended so quickly Paul came in and I suppose steadied things um, and, and again learned a lot from him and his experiences that he's had over the um, you know the, the you know over a number of years now and been very successful as a manager and actually had worked under him at Norwich as well when we got promoted from the Championship to the Premier League mm -hmm. so I knew him a little bit already which was good and that helped Um so yeah, I mean, great experiences under those managers, and uh, you know, stands you in good stead going forward. There's interesting kind of symmetry to the fact that, um, where as a coach you worked under three managers, as a player here, you played under three managers because it was Dave Jones mm -hmm. who first brought you in, and then very quickly it becomes Glenn Hoddle, and then it becomes Mick as well. So that's and. You know, from how, when we had Shay Olivignano in here, he talked about the same, fact that same, yeah, same time. three same very period. different managers that you mm -hmm. played under. Yeah, they were. I mean, Dave was um, obviously he brought me to the club, but unfortunately, within about five games, I had to have ankle reconstruction. So, I, and then I never played then under yeah. Dave again. You know, he left and and Glenn came in. So then I played the majority of my football under Glenn and under Mick. Um, but yeah, all, all all three were different types. Glenn, I thought, uh, tactically was very, very good. He'd shift things around and change change things. Always had a, for me, it just seemed really clear. I liked it, you know, we'd sometimes play three at the back, sometimes four, and I know there was frustration with the supporters a lot on, on, on how we had a good group of players and, and maybe we did underachieve because I think we finished seventh in the league the year that we should really, Reading won it. Remember when Reading were, were yeah. like, they won it 100 odd points, then 106 points or something. I think we finished seventh and we should have been better. We played a lot of good football, had some good players, but but underachieved drew drew a lot of games, looms, you know, and um that was a bit of a, a regret because after that then there was a bit of a mass exodus. A lot of players moved on, Nails went up to Celtic, Joel left to Everton, Kenny went did Kenny go to Celtic then as well, Kenny Miller. Uh yeah, we went back so, Celtic you know, or Rangers, was, I'm looking at the lads uh, on the know, back. There. Was a lot. One of them, he was there a lot. He might have been Rangers then Celtic or whatever it was, I can't keep up with him, he's all over the place. He's still going now as well. He? Um anyway, there was a lot of change. And then Mick came in as well. And then with a younger group, um, just before obviously you came in, Loons with a with a younger group of players just, just instilled this belief, this work ethic and this um, togetherness. And uh, you know, he does, you know, but with that honesty. And, and had a real effect then with a group that probably weren't so fancied as the year before, yeah. you know, and got us into the playoffs that year. So it was a, it was a um, great to see all the different managers work. How difficult was it for you at that time though as your Wolves career kind of came towards an end because Kevin Foley had come in mm -hmm. in kind of your final season. And I guess, do you ever feel that you never really were able to nail down whether you were the right back or the centre back? That ability to kind of play both? Maybe, maybe, Mikey. I mean, I... I I look at it now and I think Mick was right doing what he did. He brought, obviously, so Darren Ward had come in the, after Mick's first year. I played quite a lot and then got injured towards the end of the year. And we'd had a good run myself and Neil Collins had had a good run. I think we'd won sort of six or seven games at the, with us playing centre-back. Breeny came back in. I think we beat West Brom at home, 1-0. And anyway, we pushed to the playoffs. But I got injured and done my media and I was out for quite a while. Um, the last few games of the season and right the way through the summer and then the following pre-season, it was still not quite right. 
uh, Wardy come in and obviously then Kev that following season as well and it was just competition for places and in the end look Mick did the right thing Wolves got promoted um, but I don't regret a thing because I went up to Blackpool and had a couple of well, three great years there we got promoted there as well you know so um, I don't regret it it was um, you know it was, it was a really good time for me there up there as well but it was the right thing for me to do to go and move on and play regularly um, I wanted to really have a go at centre back that's where I felt I could be at my best Mick knew that couldn't guarantee me the game time there. Obviously, Kev had come in and Kev was like Mr. Consistent for years and years and years, wasn't he? Seven, eight out of ten every single game. He was he was terrific for the club. So, no complaints from me. Um, I think it was the right decision that Mick made. What, what would you say to a player? Because I'm, I'm looking at a player and they can play in a few different positions and that can be a negative as well. You know, some players should just nail it down. I'm a centre-back. I'm not going to play full-back. And that's, is, that a, is that a regret, maybe, that you were? Because as a player, you, you think, you know, if the manager says goal, you're playing in goals, mm. I'm playing up front, yeah, I'm playing. But it can, it can be a negative. Do you know what? I think I had that conversation with Mick, and this is where I see myself. And you know what? Then he listened, but then it kind of... Because then Neil Collins played a few games at right back, where maybe I would have played then, and maybe that took a few games off me as well. Yeah. And I'm thinking at the time, okay, well, this is why I want to have a right go here and compete with Brini, Wardy, etc. at centre back. And it, you know, that didn't happen. It's interesting you saying that. I was having a conversation with one of our players today, one of my, one of my lads that we've just brought in, Ed Francis, in the 23s. And Ed's a talented footballer, but can play a number of different positions. And it's just mm. important that we get that right as well. Yeah. My best mate and my best man at me, me wedding, John Bewers, who was um, like England captain all the way up to under 20s. This is he was at Villa. He was like the golden boy. He was our first year. He made his debut at seventeen, and he was on the bench sort of twelve times in the first team squad at Villa. You know, at that age. But then, but he was because he was the best player. He was always played in different positions, and then never nailed down really one of them. And it just didn't happen for him. Yeah. And then he just faded away. So I've seen it happen firsthand. And you're right. I think it is important to be an, a, an expert in that one position, but. I suppose and if I look at someone like the manager now he'll trust one or two not not everyone but there's a few people who can, can do yeah. a few different positions as well and yeah. that I suppose is the beauty of that smaller squad but he knows there's right, there's those three who can go there and there yeah. and that helps me yeah. maybe I would have been that sort of you know in that setup then one of those people but um, you know the, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying definitely to be an expert in that one position Right, we're going to continue this chat um, on our podcast extra, which will be available to download from all the usual places um, after you've finished watching this on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter as well. We're going to finish off this portion, though, with what we refer to as the rundown. Um, Mr. Awelamo, fire away. Yeah, uh, best player that you played with at Wolves? Oof, at Wolves? Yeah, Jolien. I think because I played alongside Joel and he was just a top centre half and um, and obviously went on to have a fantastic career as well elsewhere. So Joel, um, who was the worst trainer at the club? And you can include someone from when you were coaching as well if you want. <laughs> I think who was the worst? Leon Clark was quite sloppy at the time. You can put me in the mix. No, as well. I would never do that, Loomis. <laughs> You're doing your boxing training at the moment. I would not dream of saying you. Uh, now nah, Leon was a little bit sloppy, but he's Leon's. I think matured as a person and grown and done really, really well as well since he's. Got, and then obviously came back and did well for the club as well. But probably, probably Leon at the time. Biggest mourner. Mark Kennedy. Really. Or Incy. 
Incio Mark Kennedy, Colin Cameron, any of those three around that time, like when I first came into the squad, I'm thinking, what is going on here? I've got Paul Ince, got Mark Kennedy, got Colin Cameron, they're all, Rob, what are you doing, Rob? Um, I had to grow up then, you know, 20, 21 years old, whatever I was, and I got people like that, sort of, but they just got high, high standards, demand of you. Yeah. Who was your best friend at Wolves? Uh, Matty, Matt, Matt Murray would have been, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a few, there's a, you know, there's a few. There's a, the, the, to be fair, the club is great for that. I think there's a lot of good relationships that people come out from this club at, whether that's staff or you know players, and uh, the club's got something special there with that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, best and worst dress sense. <laughs> you put yourself up there for Mickey best, Gray was Mickey Gray was smooth, wasn't he? Mickey was pretty smooth. Um, and then I wouldn't put no. Myself. You can't be putting yourself up there. No, George and Dar was very smooth. George always looked a million dollars close between George and Mickey. Um, worst <sighs> sleep. Stephen Elliott used to come in with sloth sleeves. Was a bit. Remember just a tracky and that one. He just like basic. Just woke up and put a pair of baggy track, tracky <laughs> bottoms on. <laughs> Who was the funniest player that you played with? Again, Matt Murray would probably want to be a, put up there. Matt, yeah, Matt was up there, but he, people like to take the mick out of him, don't they, and laugh at, at his expense. And he likes that, you know, because he's always the butt of the joke as well. And he, he likes that, doesn't he? He loves being in the middle of it all. So he's always involved in the laugh, but sometimes it's at him, you know? <laughs> and, but he likes that. He wants it to be that way. Who was funny? Because who else would have been in amongst that group? Neil, Neil, Neil was always quite funny for Neil me Collins. because Neil, yeah, he, he was. I mean, he just, he just so loud. He just so loud, uh, unbearably loud. Neil, shut up! But it was funny, you know, just that constant drone, wasn't it? You know, and, he, and he's spitting everywhere when he's talking and laughing in the looms. You know what I mean? <laughs> and like, but yeah, Neely, you know, he, he did make me, he does make me laugh still now when I speak to him. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, best manager you worked for? That's really tough. That. It's really tough because I was really lucky to work under a lot of a lot of top managers. You know, I mean, Graham Taylor gave me my debut at Villa, and then you know, people like I don't want to leave anyone out. There's a lot of international managers that work for, yeah. especially at this club as well, Glenn and Mick, um, Ian Holloway. Ian Holloway, kind of for his brilliance, is genius really for what he achieved at Blackpool. But it was crazy. But what he did with us as a group of players for that season, for all those couple of years that he, you know, those few years that he was there, was was incredible. Yeah. So I'd have to say him. Um, we're just going to finish off. Uh, you kind of half mentioned it before, but your proudest moment at Wolves. I mean, you know, we talk about more than a hundred games that you played, all the different roles that you've had at the football club, being in charge for those two matches. Yeah, uh, it has to be. I think. In particular, the you know, the home game at Derby when you know you're leading them out at home, it's just it's a little bit surreal um, because you, I suppose you know you dream of things like that happening, but you never really believe it is going to uh, go into. Sorry, so I think yeah, it was that was just that was an incredible moment, incredible, really really proud and privileged to have done that. The Old Gold Club. Powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. Get 10% off in store when you quote Old Gold Club. So that was the show. On with the podcast. Um, we need to finish off the rundown. Uh, the, one of the ones that we didn't get to was um, 
What was the best goal that you scored? Or we have added in. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know what you're going. I know what you're going. I know what you're getting to. Yeah, yeah. All right. I was. It was. It was like Van Basten looms with my left foot. We were kind of on the touchline. Balls come over. Got good contact with my left foot, and then just dinked it over the keeper like far, like in a far stick. But it was in the wrong net. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has or sauce. Yeah. Stefan Postman was in goal. He's a giant. He's the guy's about seven foot nine. Honestly, I've done him with my left foot from the touchline. I don't know how it's humanly possible, but I did. And do you know what? It was at Hull away. Never forget it. Like one of my good mates, Boaz Myhill, was in goal for the opposition. It, that equalised late on, two two. Carl Court dug me out. We won three two. He Carl Court. He scored in like the last minute. We won three two. I just thought. John Parkin, I think, was going to be coming through and just absolutely smashing me on the touchline. And yeah. he just didn't come. So I just thought, I'm going to get some contact on it. And don't know how it went in. But yeah, that's, what you, that's where you were going with that, wasn't it? So thank you for that. Well, like, very I, much. Uh, we, we brought this up quite a few times. And like, I can't find any video Good. footage Good. of it. Good. Like it must exi- like it must exist. If you've somewhere. got it anywhere, leave it where yeah, it is. Yeah, if anyone's right, got no. if anyone's got like end don't of be season VHS. I don't need my players to be seeing that now, so please. <laughs> um I would love to see it because we've talked about this so much. Um hopefully we're going to track this down. Nah, please don't. Um could, but you did score an actual goal. An actual goal. Yeah, I was obviously yeah, it was not my forte was it scoring and um I got one. But you know what? Even that came in a 4-2 defeat and I given away the first goal anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we were playing Stoke the year they'd gone up yeah. the year they went up and all the week we've been talking about Rory Delap and obviously his long throws so made this good tackle kind of down the, down the line and instead of them putting it out for a throw in so a sliding tackle got up got there first and thought quickly I'll go back to the keeper but as I did it I, th- I can't remember who it was someone nipped in the striker nipped in and it might have been Sidibe yeah he he nipped, he nipped in, went round the keeper and crossed it and Rory Delap headed it in. <laughs> so I was trying, I was trying to like stop him from putting in the long throw. And that made it 1-0. I equalised, so one also felt vindicated or whatever. Um, and then we were 3-2 down in the last minute and I genuinely got brought down for a penalty. It should have been a penalty. And the ref yeah. didn't give it. And then they went up the other end and scored 4-2 in the last minute. Ricardo Fuller, like a mad dribble from, yeah, from pretty much after from me getting brought down, yeah. just went the whole way and scored. Honestly, should have been. Well, we should have had a chance to equalise that, but that was that was in the game that I scored as well. The one, the one and only goal for Wolves. Do you think you know, like uh, you're talking about dressing rooms? So I would actually say when I'm walking into the Wolves dressing room that yeah, you know, like you can say yeah, he's going to be a manager one day. He's going to do this and do that. You you said there, this is what you always wanted to do. So when did you start doing badges and coaching and things? Yeah, good question. I started so after um, the year we got promoted at Blackpool. So the year after I'd left Wolves, and obviously you'd come in, you got promoted. We, I went to Blackpool. Uh, we got promoted then, and then I thought I want a piece of that. That's I really I saw the effect that Ian Holloway had with the group of players, you know, and uh, in a different way, really sort of really coaching us. This is what I want. This is the shape. This is how I want to do it. Um, and we had huge success from it. So it was after that, and got my B license that summer, and then. By the time I retired, sort of finished at thirty, I couldn't like I was not fit anymore and couldn't keep going. And I was already halfway through my license, I think. Then anyway, so I finished that off once I got the job here at Wolves, doing the eighteens, and and that's that. So yeah, I was I was I was on the sort of coaching journey, if you like, from from that sort of period of time. But 
I think I'd always wanted to. My dad was always trying to push me to go down. Um, well, he said, just do your badges, get them done, Rob. You know, it'd be good for you when you're finished yeah. and everything as well. And I'd found it difficult with the FA at the beginning. They're changing the way they do it now, the FA. But I went then down with the FAW, the Welsh Football Association, obviously having the link with Wales and playing for them. And just found those, that they, they were brilliant. Right. They were great. Fantastic people on the courses. Great people that ran them. And um, really privileged to be on the course with some unbelievably like World Cup winners and everything, you know, that to, to learn from people like that. Yeah just been great so did the B the A and the Pro in quick succession bang 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 and over sort of took about six years though you know to get them all done but all there now so that's good because uh, uh, obviously as I mentioned before on the podcast earlier um, you know you were at Barnsley when the retirement came and I remember we spoke a lot about it because you announced your retirement on my radio show that I was doing at the time and breaking news yeah it was it was breaking news <laughs> Um, but it's that element of kind of you, you. I, I felt at the time like you'd come to terms with it because of the injuries and stuff that you were having. Mm. You kind of, even though you had to retire early, you knew it was kind of coming. Yeah, I had a tough two years at Barnsley. So after leaving Wolves, three years at Blackpool and two years at Barnsley, and then it was that was it. You had a promotion at Norwich in that promotion at well. the on loan at Norwich in between and stuff as well. And it was, um, yeah, I just I, I knew that was it. Body couldn't stay fit anymore. Um, I, I kind of think it all started quite early on at the beginning at Villa and I did my ankle and I then obviously more operations when I came here um, and it sort of almost moved its way up. When I went to Blackpool just after leaving Wolves, I scanned my knee and had a chondral defect in my knee and and again, you scan all footballers and all these, all, all the lads will have these yeah. these things but it was affecting me and it gradually moved up to my hip all on the same sort of leg. And, um, you know, that final year at Barnsley it was kind of agony really. I couldn't get out of the car uh, sort of doubled over my back was sore my hip was really bad there was no movement there anymore and, you, and then it be, then it became really tough because yeah. I'm not able I'm not the player I was here I can't do what I'm used to doing only not that long ago um, couldn't couldn't. I was having injections in my hip and um, I remember the, the you know one of the guys whether it was a surgeon or whoever was doing the injections said you know you're all the best he kind of jokingly said it and but it still rings with me anyway, all the best with that when you're older. <laughs> so you think, okay, well there might be a, a hip operation on the way at some stage when I'm when I'm when I'm when I'm older. But I just knew you're right. And I remember sitting at home with my dad one day, I think in the summer at the end of that season at Barnsley and, and just saying, That's it, Dad. Uh, or it was after a pre season. I tried to get fit at Blackpool and I instantly was in charge at Blackpool. Yeah. He said, Come come to on the pre season and I broke down again and I just thought that's that's it now. I'm not going to keep putting myself through that. I want to. This I know this is what I want to do. I'm on my A license. Let's just let's go for it. Let's attack it. And I was lucky. I got a really supportive family. Um, you know, because we you know, my wife was pregnant at the time as well, and we already had we had two children. So we, you know, we it was it was going to be tough going from right, you know, playing, and we got security there to then now right nothing. So I had a full year really of then not really earn any money, but working hard and trying to make that happen then. Because you were doing stuff at Man City as well. That's right, yeah. So use some contacts. Patrick Vieira is one of the people that was on our course, one of our courses. Patrick's an unbelievable human being, never mind what he's like as a player. What he was like as a player and now he's as a manager. And he got me in front of Mark Allen, who's the academy manager, the academy director at Man City, and uh, spoke with Mark, had a great chat with him and said, yeah, you can come in. Shadow Gareth Taylor, who I played with at Wales, who was doing the under-16s at City. And it just sort of snowballed, and um, I was I was working there, kind of 
full time then for almost a, a season and then putting a lot of into practice then at Wolves as well and I was doing the same because at Wolves they weren't doing like day release or the kids weren't in in the days like yeah. they are at City but like they are now but um, I was able to practice with Darren Ryan with sort of under the 15s and 16s at Wolves as well so in the end I was working six seven days a week you know just sort of coaching and, and sort of honing the skills and, and learning and, um, and then got offered jobs at the at the end of that season so it was all worth it in the end but it was a it was a I think once I got my head round it, it was a it was a fairly easy transition for me because I knew this is what I wanted to do. Um, I can see how things then can be hard for the people. Then you think, right, well, I'm good at this. I'm good at this. I'm not fully sure, and then it's it can become difficult. I was right. This is it, and then just went for it. Um, you know, so that was it. Yeah, it's one of those interesting things because I say because you know, uh, there's you. I remember being around Matty when he had to retire early, yeah. and. There've been kind of other players, you know, that we've kind of become pally with, and you know, I was, saw looms a lot around that time as well when we were doing the stuff up in Yorkshire, and it's kind of both of you actually are, are people that you know. Sometimes when a, someone comes to you and they say like, well, "I'm going to retire," and I will always say to them like, "You're a long time retired. Don't stop playing yet. You know, you you enjoy it too much. Go and do it." But sometimes you, people say it, and I kind of feel like, "Yeah, they're going to be all right." And I think with both of you, I've I've always thought, yeah, because there's more to you than just being a player. Do you know what I mean? No. Cheers, thank you. Uh, it was something for me. I, I got told I'd only play till I was 27, 28, and that's when my career kind of took off. You know, like I was, I had eight, nine operations on mm. my left knee. You know, I broke my foot twice, dislocated my, my right knee here. Uh, but I had like three micro fractures. You're only supposed to have one, you know, but they drill into the bone to make the bone yep. bleed in it. So uh, from 21, 22, it's been bone on bone. Like I get told at 28, you've got one more op and it's, you won't be playing after it. And, you know, I've not had that 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 operation yet. But like, you know, I do my training and it's very different. In fact, if you ask me to go out now and play a five a side, yeah, I am stiff. <laughs> if you thought I was stiff then, mate, I am stiff. You know what I mean? So it's the thing like, is, you're both still like in amazing shape though, considering you're not being players for a couple of years. Well, I was, I was 14, 10 when I... When I played, I'm about 16 and a half stone now. But I did, towards the end when I knew that I was going to retire, I I did weights. So yeah. I was up at St. Johnson doing the weights the same as everyone else, but I never did any of the weights that the boys did. Me and Dales, Dales used to take me you, to the side. You just blown up. I do, yeah, because I just put size yeah. on far too easily. So I'd, I knew that when I still had a lot to, well, a lot to give, I felt that I just made sure that I knew what my body needed, yeah. you know, so... But you, you you know yourself like you say you, you get to a certain point. I went and done the I was always around the fifteen stone mark, and then I done a food diary, the nutritionist and the portion sizes were all wrong. I, my diet was good, but my yeah. portion sizes were all wrong. You had to eat so much more for breakfast, and and then like you kind of yeah. peter out as the day goes Take on. Take it down, and it was. Uh, so how old were you when you came here? I was yeah thirty. Yeah, so because yeah. and then unbelievable as well. I remember you scoring two against us. So well. I'd gone to Blackpool then. I remember I got a picture remember? still at home with we we're both captains that day. Um, That's right, Blackpool yeah. and obviously you at Wolves. You scored two. You won two nil the year you went up. Yeah, that year. Yeah, and I remember I'm thinking, that. God, like you lot were flying, and it was like playing against the well, it was like the golden arrows, but the red arrows. The lads with the kites was all over the place, and obviously you know we actually played quite well Blackpool that day, but. We didn't have the players that you did, and you were just flying. It was two 0 and we were getting two. And but you, the reason I'm thinking it as well, though, your agility showed for the second one. I don't know if you remember it, but like it was a volley, and you you were high, 
Can you remember it? was quite a reaction one. It was the first one. It was a long throw came in. It's been thinking about when my foot's went up. Yeah. And then I hit it on the vault. I think that should be goal of the season, to be honest. I don't know how Andy Kuehl won it. I'll be honest. I'll put that out there. He mentions this so much. I think it bloody should have been. I get a wee pole going there. But yeah, here's one then. So was it a penalty at Blackpool when you took me down? No, well, I, they gave a pen. I, I, well, I don't know what's yeah, going on. I'm it was, yeah, it was a pen. But then, <laughs> but then I equalised, didn't I, in the last minute as well? That was another one of my goals, oh, very no, no. few. But Jarvo got two, the winner. No, no, oh, did Jarvo not did we draw that game? Yeah. So you, you yeah, so you took me down. You should have got a red card. You're, I felt bad because like you were so innocent. I'm thinking what, he did. I felt something, so I went down. But it was a penalty, wasn't it? So what? Yeah. So there was one where um, there's one. I think early on, Silv scored a penalty. Um, whether he got rolled against me, I think as well. And I've kind of like just given him a little, little pull. This <laughs> because I thought he's done me here. One nil up. Um, we get back to one all. I'm pretty sure it's that it went anyway. And then Java, yeah, put you two one up. And I can't remember when the incident was. I do remember it. I do remember it. I can't remember what stage in the game it was, whether it was one all or two one at that time. Oh, no, it was for Souls, that was for Souls penalty. It that was, was the one. Nil. That was it. That, that was, was it. the one. Oh, it, was. Nah, it, w- yeah. it was. It was, yeah, it was. Right, okay. I knew it was. Sorry. Right, you said I rolled you. I don't you think know, it no, was. No, no, no. No, you did. You've just done me strength and just right. It was, it was, it was definitely a pen. Oh, anyway. But yeah, I equalised in the last minute. Unbelievable! The ball's just got pumped in the box, and I've just I've had like it was almost like it was meant to be. Do you know what the funny thing about that that was? That week I'd been in at the training ground to get a bit of treatment, like just on my knees. It was amazing. And Mick, Mick's like, "All right, Rob, I'm sat there on the I'm sat there on the bed getting a bit of treatment from Kempy as well." And and he's got then like later on that week I scored the equaliser oh. against him, but he um, T Ferry took it quite well. He was all right. It was great like that, Mick, wasn't he? Yeah. But yeah, I remember going and like. Yeah, it's funny how things work and it getting the equaliser, you know, the year you've left the club. But it didn't affect you, you obviously went on and won the league comfortably, so but yeah, it was two two that night. Last it was like pretty much last kick of the game. I didn't celebrate. I didn't celebrate. Did you know, no. Just respect. Yeah, just kind of I didn't know what to do. I never scored. <laughs> what did I do? Yeah. So yeah, it was a tap in. So hang on, like, so you would have fight. celebrated if you'd known what to do in a celebration. But maybe if I'd have known I was more used to scoring worldly own goals than than volleys, <laughs> Mikey, so yeah. yeah, this might be the first episode that we put out where rather than putting out somebody's goal to highlight it, it will be an own goal. Have you found it? I, I'm assured that we can find it. Do it if you want, but you know, it's probably gonna, <laughs> I'm probably going to have to rebuild the lad's faith in me again now. My, my, <laughs> yeah, my, 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 my players. So you know, you're playing that card it. now? Yeah. This is about I the future I might, I might of the football club. With the lads. Um, there's one more thing that we need to mention just before we finish. Um, Rob's going to kill me for this, but uh, Rob is a sensational singer. I'm really not. <laughs> I'm really not. He is a sensational singer. There have been reports from other clubs that he's been to that he's brought people to tears. <laughs> you talk about Steely now? Yeah. You know Steely over-exaggerates. This, is, our, this is a mutual friend of mine and Rob's called Luke Steele. He's another goalkeeper. Yeah. yeah. And goalkeepers are quite crazy anyway. Yeah. Um, but apparently Rob is a sensational singer. And he has sent me um, voicemails in the past. You got them with you? <laughs> no, are you no. going to play one? I can't believe he's just that and not even prepared. Let's see, I don't, I don't know. You I, strike me and he's like, you've got a little bit as well. I, I, yeah. I'll, 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 <laughs> <laughs> he can as well. I can't. I generally can't. You've not done, the, I, you're not done this social media stuff? No? 
I'm up there. But I came in when my daughter's singing uh, on the stage when we were in Cyprus, just the three of us, me and the, me and the girls. And she went, you couldn't do that, Dad. I went, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> you can't just throw it down like that. Next, I said, go put my name up. Adults tomorrow. Boom. There you go. Nail it. What did you sing? Uh, Dance in the Moonlight. Did you? Brilliant song. You gonna give us a bit? He's got a bit of the gravel as well. Yeah, he can. He's got. That, he's yeah. got a good tone for it. That one uh, was it. Shallow as well. No shallow way. Bradley Cooper. And yeah, it's a good song, isn't it? Me, the missus can smash this. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine him in the car, can't you? <coughs> are, you are you gonna do it? No, I'm trying to find I don't because I, I I don't know where so I've got some messages from Rob. One but. last thing, and then you just see it. We know. Well, I didn't know whether Rob was going to drop into a little bit of you it. You can't just ask him to sing. Well, because I, I know he's I know he's got the lyrical skills of uh, Bon Jovi. That's you know, <laughs> a little Rob, don't you? You love a bit of Bon Jovi. I do, that was always my. If you know you go into the new changing room, new club, you got to sing, aren't you? And that was always my Bon Jovi. Always was always my. Walk that was my always. Door. Guns yeah. and Roses, that was... That one, was yours. Yeah, I won the thing at Charlton. There 16 new players. And I remember uh, it was Ben Thatcher, Alan Pardew and... Uh, on the panel. On the panel, yeah. Ben Thatcher, and by so, the way, just... He, said, he actually said I was the black, right said Fred. That's what he said. <laughs> 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 that was good banter. Yeah. See, all my voicemails from Rob are all like about seven seconds. They're all clearly like, Mikey, give me a phone call. Yeah. Mikey, call me back. Or Mikey, I know you're not doing anything. Why have you not answered? <laughs> Which will be probably the main bit from it. Um, no, I'm not going to play out of you singing. Don't worry. Okay. I'm going to play it. If you give me the heads up next time, I'll try and I'll drop he is a, He is a genuinely really no, good singer. No, I'm, I'm not. He is. I just think you're being very kind. <laughs> I did nail the last one that you that you did. That I, I think you picked up and I did nail it. Like, I think it was... <laughs> I think it was Boys to Men, and I've nailed it. You know, when you just know, yeah, where's that come from? Good. Good. You're kind of like floating above yourself. You're watching it. I've heard Beyonce talking about herself in the same sort of way. When she's when she's watched things back, she thought, was that me? It was like an out-of-body experience. And I think the last one I sent to him was, it was pretty good. You know, in the still of the night, Boys to Men. I'll do that one for you. Oh, dear. Um, it's been brilliant having awesome. you in. Thank you. Um, I say you've been... Uh, part of this football club now for three spells and I know likelihood is that you know you will go on to have great success elsewhere and maybe you'll come back for a fourth time who knows can't keep me away I love the club I love the club and I think everyone that's been a part of it does as well it's a special once you've been here it just takes a special place in your heart so uh, again I'm thankful that I'm I'm back here and uh, I'll I'll relish every uh, moment I am thank you Thanks for listening to The Old Gold Club, powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and rating from wherever you get your podcasts.